And now, prepare your ear holes for penetration as we bring you another great podcast from the Poop Culture Extended Universe. Warning, the following program features content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Bocephus Broadcast. Greetings, boys and girls, and welcome to episode 34 of the Bocephus Broadcast. Glad to be back in the basement with you for another week of shenanigans across the World Wide Web. I am armed with this beautiful, gifted, gold peak coffee cup inside it. Espresso Patronum from Nerd Roast Coffee. Mmm, delish. So that being said, we are armed and dangerous, so let's get down to it. A whirlwind week for podcasts and a busy weekend in general ahead. The Boondoggle, which is one of our network programs, recently released their anniversary episode, which is super fun because um, instead of a regular episode of their podcast, they created a sitcom, which to me is very cutting edge because I've never heard anybody, you know, S-Town was kind of, you know, series-ish, kind of felt like a TV show, like a documentary style TV show, but this is an actual like audio sitcom which is very cool and it actually features some cameos from across the poop culture extended universe including poop culture podcast zone mark james as an uber driver and yes myself yours truly as a uh, transvestite tinder date there's a reason i was nominated for a prestigious national acting scholarship in college i'm finally putting those skills back to use but as like i said i don't think a lot of people are creating these sitcom style podcast i'll have to look into that and try to find some more but i don't know maybe i'm wrong but but this is one of the first ones i've heard of uh let alone been a part of so definitely check that out i know a lot of time and effort went into creating that i know a lot of time and effort goes into creating any podcast but when you're adding in multiple character dialogues sound effects you're editing it all down i mean that's a lot of work that's a lot a lot of work i know a lot of uh like i said time and effort went into creating that so hats off to alex and dimitri for their work uh on this uh, anniversary episode of the Boondoggle Podcast. And uh, thank you for asking me to be a part of it, too. Speaking of groundbreaking podcasts, this week the Poop Culture Podcast will celebrate 100 episodes, which is huge. It's going to take me a while to get there. But these guys are veterans. They're pros. They've been doing this for a while. Many of us from the uh, Poop Culture Extended Universe pitching in to contribute segments to the show. Famed news anchor Tom Brokaw and myself contributed this week's poop news, so keep your ears peeled for that. And be sure to check out all the other interesting and entertaining things going on in episode 100 of the Poop Culture Podcast this week. You can do that by visiting poopculture.com, where you can find all the great programming available as part of the PCEU. I said poop a lot in the first three minutes of this show. That's got to be a record. Easily. In all honesty, though, um, it's, it's been super cool. Getting to know the guys from Poop Culture, and uh, they really, they really help me out, give me a lot of information and, and uh, encouragement when I started this podcast, and it's uh, really cool to be working with them now as part of their new network. And uh, I've come to consider those guys really good friends. So they're a solid group of guys, and uh, do what you can to support them. Check them out, poopculture.com, where you can find all the great PCEU programs. The top of the podcast, I mentioned a busy weekend ahead, and that is no understatement. Blacktop South actually going to be filming a new promo video tonight at the dock. And I say tonight, no, we're not we're not playing a Sunday night. I'm not recording this on Sunday this week. This is actually Saturday, so to clear the air of any confusion. It's not like it matters anyway, but I think a lot of you know this usually is recorded Sunday. You know what? Whatever. You listen when you listen. That's the beauty of podcasting. It's on demand for your busy schedule. Anyway, yes, 
Uh, the band is shooting a new promo video tonight down at the dock. I have uh, whipped up the Snapchat geo filter for the evening. Got a crew of about three or four folks with cameras rolling in around 2.30 this afternoon. And uh, with any luck, we'll we'll have a new promo to unveil to the um, county and state fair showcases and uh, the clubs and all that stuff by the time 2018 rolls around. So we're hoping for the, the usual ruckus crowd to be part of that with us this evening. But uh, back to the reason I'm not recording on a, a Sunday, per usual. It's because when we get done at the dock tonight, I am rushing home to lay my head down on the pillow, and then we are hours later off to Kansas City Sunday morning for a hitching, a wedding, a knot tying. My cousin Jason is getting married to his lady friend, Kyla, on a Sunday evening in a little place called Weston, Missouri. And we're shacking up at the uh, the Hampton Inn in Leavenworth that night, just down the way. So we're going to be hitting three states in a day. Taking off from Illinois, we'll hit Missouri, and then we'll stay the night in Kansas. This will, I think this will be new for us, though. I don't think the two of us have ever been together to Kansas City. Separately, maybe. I know I have. You know, I've been many times myself. I'm not sure about Emily, but it's always fun to go somewhere new together. And it's always good to stay at a Hampton Inn. Matter of fact, I don't know why I'm not asking Hampton Inn to sponsor this podcast. I'm no stranger to the Hampton. When I was on the road in uh, northern Illinois and, and that kind of neck of the woods for work, they, they knew me by name. Kid you not. They knew me by name at the Hampton Inns in Janesville, Wisconsin, and Naperville, Illinois. I know those two for sure. And there were a couple more where they pretty much knew who I was. I had status back then, kids. Now I'm back to being that regular nine to five blue collar schlub. You're no status anymore. It's all come crashing down. Like I said, though, it's going to be a fun road trip, but uh, it won't be the same without our little doodle man, though. Calvin Coolidge, the official mascot of the Bocephus broadcast, everyone's favorite mutt. We've decided to board Cal for the night at a uh, local place called Alpha Dog, which I hear a lot of great things about. And we, uh, we cased the joint not too long ago. Actually happened upon it by accident. We were just kind of cruising around one afternoon. I was like, holy cow, look at that place. So, we, you know, we were out driving, driving around and uh, ran into it. Not literally. We didn't hurt the property or damage it or anything. Uh, but it's acreage upon acreage. And a really nice looking spread at that. All kinds of, uh, you know, running and playing room and nice little rooms for the pups to stay in. And I do think it's funny. And I think it's very fitting that, that Cal's full name is John Calvin Coolidge, you know, like the president. And Alpha Dog offers what they call the presidential suite. So I'm very tempted to book that stay for him just for, you know, shits and giggles. It fits, right? It would make sense for the president to stay in the presidential suite when he's getting boarded for the night. That makes sense, right? It fits. But I always get super paranoid when Cal isn't with us and we're a a long way from home. He's taken a couple of long road trips, but nothing too large scale. But yeah, I know it makes it makes it hard for me to relax. It's like to the point it's almost anxiety when he's far away from us and we're far away from him, vice versa. So if it's this bad with a dog, I can only imagine what it's going to be like, you know, when we start producing some crib midgets, just a big old bag of anxiety, I suppose. That's that's going to be me as a father, I'm sure. By that time, maybe it'll just be kind of customary to just bring your kids to work, you know, while you're raising them. I don't know if a lot of places around here that offer paternity leave. I don't know. That's a whole new world I have yet to emotionally explore yet. But anyway, looking forward to a little escape time this weekend, Rupert Holmes. Be nice to get away for a couple days in western Missouri and eastern Kansas. And speaking of getting away, it looks like I'm going to have some complimentary getaways to see some live music this fall and this winter. This was a very, uh, very crazy thing to come home to yesterday on a Friday afternoon. I came home to a package in the mail, big manila envelope, 
addressed to me, no return address on it, no postmarkings. I figured it was anthrax, so I went ahead and opened it to find out if it was. No anthrax, at least not that I know of. Gotta wait for those effects to set in if it was indeed anthrax. But inside were two sets of tickets. A pair of tickets to see Coulter Wall at Off-Broadway in St. Louis, and another pair of tickets to see Michael G.D. McDonald. Michael McDonald at the Peabody in St. Louis, which is one of my absolute favorite venues to see a show. Love that place. For those of you that don't know, and I might have mentioned it really early on, uh, my first graphic design project in college was a collage of Michael McDonald. Not entirely sure if I still have that or not, but if I come across it, I will definitely post it for your viewing pleasure. But this is this is completely bizarre because I have no idea where this came from. I don't know who did this. So if you were the one who sent this, first of all, th- this is way too much. And I really want to extend my my very most sincere thank you for, for such a supremely uh, generous act of kindness. I am legitimately floored that anyone would do this. If you're listening to this by any chance and you are the one who sent this or the ones who sent this, uh, Please know how incredibly grateful I am for such a very, very generous couple of gifts. But I hope I hope whoever sent this uh, that they'll come forward so I can shake their hand or hands and uh, and tell them thank you. So there there's there's a little silver lining story for you guys this week. Now, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make these shows. God, I hope so. Um, but if I can't, you know, that's kind of the you don't know who sent it. So, like, what do you do? So I'm hoping they come forward so that if I don't go, they get their tickets back and they haven't wasted their money. But wow, what a what an incredibly kind gesture. Like I said, a little silver lining story for you guys this week. And um, speaking of silver linings, I'll touch on real quick an update on the 29 by 29 initiative, which is a mission I embarked upon a little over a month ago, just, just about a month and a week or two. I said I was going to lose 29 pounds by my 29th birthday, October 20th. And I started doing this keto diet thing. So I start. I started out at 265 pounds, or at least that's uh, th- that's the weight I was the first day that I you know weighed myself and said that I was going to start this whole thing. So I know for a fact I was heavier than that by about five or ten pounds just weeks prior to that initial weigh in. It's honestly scary that I let it get that far up to 265 plus after being down to 205 a mere two or three years ago. It's embarrassing, but it's also very scary. Uh, but I, I stepped on the scale Friday morning and I, I initially said, you know, I'm not going to weigh myself for like a week because I was kind of hitting this l- little plateau period and I was getting kind of discouraged, which, you, you know, you can't do that. You got to stay positive and, you know, know that it'll come off eventually. So I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to weigh myself. And then, you know, I got ready to get in the shower and I was like, ah, I'm going to weigh myself just for giggles. Stepped on the scale, 240 pounds. And I legitimately felt my face go into full cartoon mode, like bug eyes and jaw on the floor. And I'm pretty sure I audibly said, what? Yeah, 240 pounds. And like I said, it was very shocking because I didn't feel like I I was losing much. And I kind of stalled out. But, you know, like I said, I didn't didn't plan on weighing myself, but I'm glad I did because that kicked my day into high gear from the get-go. I was in a great mood all day. So for those of you that are doing the math at home right now, that is the 25-pound mark. 25 pounds in a little over a month. Now, I'm sure that'll fluctuate a couple few pounds here and there, and I'm I'm sure it probably has already this morning. But I think now there's no question that we'll hit that 29 by 29 goal. At least I'm hopeful. And if I do, I want to see how far I can surpass that. 
by October 20th. See how much I can blow that goal out of the water by the time October 20th rolls around. So there's your update on me dropping weight. But that's enough of my blabbing. You're here for the guests. You're here for the guests. That's right. This week, guests, plural, as in more than one. We talked about marriage a little earlier in the podcast this week. We're talking to a married couple. It's a husband and a wife. And no, this is not my foray into becoming the next uh, Maury Povich or anything like that. You know that music makes my world go round, and it's how I spend my other moonlighting time playing around the area, solo and with a band. Music is my thing. And every now and then, I stumble across something new and, and fresh and exciting, and sometimes the makers of that music just so happen to be a sweet little married couple making a sweet little ruckus together. And I'm talking about Smooth Hound Smith, a duo that I came upon thanks to some recommended listening from Spotify which is where I discover a bulk of my favorite new music these days. And a lot of the guests that you've heard on here that make music, uh, they came from being recommended to me on Spotify. So I got to say thanks to Spotify for kind of having a knack for knowing what I like. But anyway, Get Low was a Smooth Hound Smith song that was featured on one of my Discover Weekly playlists uh, earlier this summer. And I shot down the rabbit hole from there. So coming up, we're going to dive into the Taco Bell of Americana music. Unwrap the burrito. It's my chat with Zach and Caitlin Smith of Smooth Hound Smith up next here on the Most Cephas Broadcast. The Most Cephas Broadcast. Looking for the best threads on the internet? Look no further than Smirks.net. Tees, hoodies, tanks, and hats for men and women. Ron Jeremy, Turbo from Breakin' and Breakin' 2, Electric Boogaloo, Vigo the Carpathian, and more. Find it all at Smirks.net. Smirks.net. That's S-M-Y-R-X.net. Use the code PCEU for 15% off your order. Smirks.net. For the freshest and most dope shirts you'll find. Smirks.net. We now return to the Bo Cephas broadcast. Who's there knocking at my doors at you there? Come on in, shake out the cold. Have yourself a boy, you'll be going home alone when the sun comes again. My guests today make up the Americana duo of Smooth Hound Smith, formed in 2012. The pair have released two studio albums to date, 2013's self-titled effort and the 2016 follow-up Sweet Tennessee Honey. It is a pleasure to have them both on the program today. Please welcome Zach and Caitlin Smith of Smooth Hound Smith. Great to have you guys here today. Great to be here. Thank yeah. you for having us. You're my uh, you're my first married duo, which I think is very cool. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like playing the newlywed game with music, which is even better for me. But you guys <laughs> met and you were performing together long before you became like romantically linked, right? Yeah, we had to be sure it was right. <laughs> so Zach, so we you were five years. So we spent five years in a van together just to make extra sure. <laughs> <laughs> a real test of strength right there. So, Zach, you were, were you performing under the Smooth Hound Smith name before you met Kaylin, or did this happen kind of when you guys joined forces? I, I was a little bit. Uh, it was about a year, and I was in Nashville by myself playing as a one-man band, and uh, I, I would play under Smooth Hound Smith, but uh, I really didn't form to what it is until the two of us got together. I guess it was pretty lame. Before. <laughs> <laughs> so you got the name. Is it, we were talking dogs before this started. Did you get the the name, the, the Smooth Hound Smith moniker from your dog, or where did that come from? Actually, it was uh, kind of a few things that, that lined up. I was living in a kind of a 
an old dilapidated house that belonged to my dad that had been in our family for a while. And he had moved, this was in LA and he had moved to orange County. So he kind of left it, left the place, you know, the ceiling was falling in and I, I was like, Oh, you know, get in there and, you know, kind of try to fix it up. And he was telling me about the new place where he was at. Cause he's a, he was a big scuba diver. And, uh, there's a species of shark that he would see, you know, just diving around in the, in the bay and it was called a smooth hound and it just sort of like fit the music that I was writing in this new place. I put it with my last name Smith and it just kind of sounded like an old blues man. And that was, that was sort of the inspiration for a lot of the tunes that I was uh, trying to pen at that point. And then I I ended up adopting a dog not long after that. And that turned out to be a hound dog. So like everything just, (laughs) everything, (laughs) it was like a little rescue puppy. And they told me he was a different breed, but he turned out to be a, 50 pound hound dog. <laughs> <laughs> so it all came full circle. Yeah. You two, how did you guys meet? I mean, obviously you met while well, you were kind of, you know, playing the circuit and everything, but how did that, you know, transcend into marriage and now uh, rearing a dog child? <laughs> um, we met playing around, uh, around town in Los Angeles. We were both in different bands and, um, uh, Sometimes he would sit in on bass with the band that I was in. And, uh, you know, we kind of kind of ignored each other for a while. And we're both <laughs> outgoing people, but I think we just had crushes on each other. And Zach's a little can be intimidating. And so I just kind of ignored him. And then, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I still do to this day. <laughs> I, I get ignored at least once a day. <laughs> and then... Um, he moved to Nashville to pursue his solo project. And that's actually when we started talking was when we were across the country from each other. Oh, of course. And then he, yeah, of course. Right. Perfect timing. <laughs> but it was great. Cause we got to know each other, you know, long distance, just talking on the phone. And, um, and then he moved back to Los Angeles to that, that house that he was speaking of. And we kind of just shacked up and started playing music together. So Zach, I mean, you 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 were pretty much, and, and to an to an extent, you still really are a one man band. But you often, I've seen it said that you attribute the way um, the songs come together, as far as you know, arrangement and things like that, to Caitlin. So how has her influence changed the way that you approach songwriting or your process in that? Um, I think we just have different strengths. I wouldn't say that it necessarily changes the songwriting process, because I'll I'll come in with a song or have something and it'll be, it's, it's a song technically cause it's, you know, vocals and words with a guitar mm-hmm. part and some chords, but it's not, I mean, the way that the song appears on the record is, is the arrangement that the, the both of us do together. And I think, uh, we just have different strengths in regards to that. I, vocals are not my strong suit cause I haven't been singing for that long. So Caitlin has, always just remarkable and interesting harmony parts, you know, on basically whenever she wants to summon them from wherever they come from. They're there. <laughs> um, Conjure them up. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I think that's, that add, that's uh, adds a deceptive amount of power, I think to a live performance. Like you don't think about it, but you know, we've, we've, I've played shows solo where it's just me. And then there's, you know, songs where it's just me singing and 
it's funny, like people kind of start, they don't pay They don't pay attention the same way. <laughs> we'll just say that. Do you guys ever like wake each other up in the middle of the night with song ideas? <laughs> um, Kayla's kind of a, she's a through, she's a through sleeper, but, uh, occasionally I'll, yeah, she, she, she sleeps through the night. Occasionally she'll sleep talk. Say, well, what would you say the other night? Can I tell that story? Sure. All right. <laughs> there is, she, she was sleeping the other night and then she was having like a bad dream or something. I thought, and she was like, in her sleep was like, no, no, don't touch me. And I was like, oh, I was ready to wake her up. Cause I was like, this is, I don't know what you dream about. <laughs> she was like, don't touch me. And then I'm about to wake her up. And then she's like, okay, you, you can bring the peanut butter. <laughs> just, so I just let that one ride. So there aren't really songs that we wake up, you know, in the middle of the night in our head. It's just weird <laughs> dreams about peanut butter. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> if I had a nickel I mentioned the newlywed game Here's a newlywed game question Caitlin, what's more difficult Tidying up after Zach Or tidying up after his songs Oh jeez Well <laughs> I can usually fit Everything that he uh, Leaves around the house In one laundry basket So I would say The songs <laughs> <laughs> Even though there's not much Tidying up He's a pretty good writer <laughs> I read an article, Zach, where you said that Smooth Hound Smith is kind of like the Taco Bell of Americana music. Naturally, I, I read the article, so I know how you made that correlation, but tell the folks why you drew that comparison, because it's very interesting, but it's also very uh, apropos, I would say. Actually, I think that was uh, Caitlin's metaphor, so I'm going to let her... Uh, All right, I'll let her handle that one then. Well, we talk about how we make music... Um, and our, our live performance, especially, we make the biggest sound that we can for two people. And because Zach is like a one man band and, you know, does everything, drums, vocals, guitar, harmonica, all, you know, coming from one person, it's like Taco Bell that has five ingredients, but makes like, you know, 30 different menu items. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah. So we that only makes have perfect certain sense. ingredients. Yeah. So we make a whole bunch of sound and a whole bunch of songs. Our hope is to make a lasting work of art that stands up to the double-decker <laughs> taco. I was so. going to ask you what menu item, what Taco Bell menu item Smooth Hound Smith would be if you had to choose one. Seven-layer burrito. <laughs> or maybe Crunchwrap Supreme. Because you just keep, you keep on, you know, there's so many layers. I guess seven layers is more than the Crunchwrap Supreme has, actually. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of layers. <laughs> you guys need to approach Taco Bell about getting some music in a commercial. Oh, we've tried so we many times. Have, tried have so you many really? Times. They have, yeah, they have this thing called Feed the Beat, which they um, give a band, uh, I don't know, like $500 in, in Taco Bell gift cards. And um, we've tried so many times to apply for that, and he's <laughs> never even gotten back to us. So it's punk. I think Get Low would be really suited to a Taco Bell commercial. Like, I'm, I'm envisioning yeah. that right now. It makes perfect sense. It kind of has, like, the connotation, like, you're you're getting sick, though. I feel like, <laughs> like, man, I eat Taco Bell, and I just, I was getting low. $500 in Taco Bell gift cards would get you that way pretty quick, I would think. <laughs> so you both were students of music. Caitlin, you ended up, uh, did I read this right? You went to England to study music? Is that right? Yeah, I started out um, at this, uh, it was called Ellen Music Academy in Los Angeles in Pasadena. It's called something else now. I think it's Los Angeles Music College. But 
anywho, I was there for a little while, and then they have a sister school in Guilford in England, and so I just transferred over there and finished up my degree and, and was in, in Guilford for about a year. And I got to thank I got to thank Zach for bringing this term into my life because up until about a week ago I had no idea that there was a name for it but you studied entomusicology which is essentially the, the study of music of multiple cultures how how have that or how has that um those two influences Caitlin you being in England and Zach you studying music from all over the world how have they um kind of influenced you or have they caused you to you know maybe take a look at songs differently than you normally would have after that experience those experiences um, ah, that's a, that's a question, man. Um, yeah, ethnomusicology is, um, the easiest way to explain it to someone who doesn't know is just, it's anthropology and music put together. So it is a bunch of different cultures. And I, I focused on, uh, Brazilian music for most of my time at, at UCLA. And obviously you could do, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff you could do. You could, the jazz program was under that umbrella. So um, it's kind of a weird thing to study unless you want to be a jazz musician or like a DJ, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, so it's, I don't know. It was, it, it's strange. I think that what I did, which was just focus on a particular culture. And then I don't know, there's not, there's just not a lot of like necessarily opportunity that comes out of that. But, yeah, but I learned, I learned, yeah. I did learn a lot, like at being, having a, the bass as a percussionist, uh, I think just polyrhythms play a lot into when we make recordings. And there's a uh, specific tune that we usually end the show with called Be My Husband, the top of our first record. Mm-hmm. It's a Nina Simone cover. But the way that we play it is uh, it's, it's pretty stripped down. It's just a kick drum and Caitlin's vocals. And then this Brazilian uh, tambourine-like instrument called a pandero, which I kind of play in sort of a augmented samba funk sort of way so it's, it definitely like it sneaks in and sometimes you know we don't realize that there's you know also tunes that are just the chord progressions are more i don't know maybe like bossa nova oriented or something like that yeah i kind of get that vibe i was listening to body talking earlier which kind of reminds me like uh, a yeah. samba <laughs> yeah yeah exactly all right we're on the same page then i want to ask because i thought this was super cool when i heard it uh on one of the records who's playing the jaw harp on California's way. Oh, that was uh, Raymond Richards was the guy who produced uh, our first record. And uh, I was really hoping that was one of you guys just tearing that thing up. No, I, I he actually <laughs> the way that he produced was was interesting because we did we hadn't uh, neither of us, Caitlin or myself, had made like kind of our own record where we were in there like calling every shot. So he he was really good at the hand holding. He would say like this song needs this. Now you play it. So I, <laughs> we, we hadn't done much in the way of pre-production. So I wasn't thinking about like, Oh, what baseline is going to go on this song when we, so we were figuring a lot of stuff out on the fly. And, uh, he was like, this needs a jaw harp solo. You play it. And I just, I think I spent about 30 minutes just cracking the thing up against my teeth. And finally I was just like, dude, Raymond, you got to play this. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, you know, certainly as with all artists, you guys surely have artist influence as well as, you know, the cultural ones that we kind of touched on. Uh, the first time I heard Forever Cold, which I absolutely love, I got this very uh, Fleetwood Mac world turning kind of vibe and it really, it really drew me in. And I, you know, I find a lot of nuances in 
you know, your songs that, that remind me of other artists and things like that. Like Young and Golden kind of reminds me of I'm on Fire by Bruce Springsteen. So um, oh, cool. you know, who are the artists or, or bands that you guys draw influences from or that got you really uh, interested and motivated in making music like this? Well, it's kind of weird because I think most musicians have influences that span the scope of, you know, musical genres. I grew up listening to, you know, definitely Fleetwood Mac, Tom Petty, Rolling Stones, um, because of my father is a big classic rock fan. And then my mother was very much, is very much into Motown and R&B. So I was in a, a Motown band in high school. So I sang a lot of that. And then, um, also just studied jazz. I love jazz. Always has loved, loved jazz. You know, the crooners and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then there was a really weird period where all I listened to was Tori Amos and Kevin Crouch for like three years in high school. So, <laughs> there it is. So what about you, Zach? What got you, uh, who were the kind of cogs in the wheel for you? Um, I have some early memories of um, uh, driving around with my dad and he would always play the oldies station so it would be like you know beach boys or otis redding or mm-hmm. you know wilson pickett and that kind of stuff and he would do this thing where he'd be like i'll give you a quarter if you can tell me who this is so like i would, I would just like <laughs> learn the music that way and then um i just like i i think from a really early point in my life there was like i just was trying to feel rhythms like we, uh, I'd be in the car or something, go over a bump, and I would just like feel like that rhythm in the context of like a song or like the way it was syncopated. And um, I, I don't know. I remember like listening to Paul Simon and when he was like kind of doing his his world beat thing and like West African influence stuff, and that that was that was pretty cool. And then later, when I started playing guitar, I think uh, guys like Fred McDowell and uh, Mississippi John Hurt guys who would like separate the uh, the thumb part to like a separate bass line and then like a lead part playing finger style guitar. It, I think it all just kind of came together. In Nirvana was the yeah, huge for me. Like, and you still listen to a lot of uh, like rap, didn't you? Yeah, a lot of rap too. You, sound like a <laughs> you guys, you you guys I can hear the Wu Tang influence in Smooth Hound for sure. No, I never, I never went uh, East Coast really with it. I tried, but I mean, oh, you're a West Coast guy. Yeah. Who? We, we might have a little rift now. This interview might be over. I know. I feel like I'm, I'm gonna get. <laughs> people were like, "We'll talk up like Jay Z to me," and I just listen to it. I'm like, I don't. I just don't. <laughs> I don't I know get it's a it. Terrible thing to say. I just don't get it. <laughs> you love Beyonce. I do love Beyonce. <laughs> and uh, I was just. You know, I was always like a Tupac, Dr. Dre, Chronic, 2001 kind of guy. Oh, God, that's such a great record. Just top to bottom. So good. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's one of those front to back. You can listen to it the whole way through. There's not a bad one on there. I've seen you guys compared a lot to um, Shovels and Rope, and I don't know if that's the, you know, kind of the low-hanging fruit comparison of husband and wife duo or not, but I see, you know, the the parallels and comparisons there. But what are the comparisons that, um, you know, you guys agree with or some that you haven't thought about until they were mentioned or some that really just kind of left you completely confused? Um, that's, a, that's a good question. I, I think more than... The comparisons for the band of people will come up and pick out like individual songs and be like, that song reminds me of, you know, X, Y, and Z. 
And mm-hmm. like, I always, sometimes I recognize what they're referencing. Other times I don't, but like, I know you're talking about young and golden people have come up to me and said, Hey, hey that reminds me of, uh, into the mystic. Yeah. And I, I, I just like, I don't hear, I love, I love Van Morrison. I just don't hear that comparison <laughs> at all. But. I get the number one thing that people tell me I sound like, is um, Alison Krauss, which is a huge compliment, oh, wow. but yeah. I don't see it at all. And I, I like, I, I mean, she's amazing, but I, I didn't grow up listening to her. You know, I probably have two of her albums. I'm not a huge, huge fan of hers where I feel like her voice would influence my singing, but that's a crazy, amazing compliment, but I just don't, I don't hear it at all. There's people who come to our, our shows and then afterwards they'll be like, Hey, I love, I love the bluegrass you were playing. And I'm like, it's electric <laughs> guitar and foot drums and tambourine and harmonica. And it's not really bluegrass. Or I, Velvet Underground. We were told we sound like the Velvet Underground. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, we'll take it. If this sounds good, if you think it's good, then sure, call for whatever you want. We're all just trying to sound like Ariana Grande, let's face it. <laughs> well, I think that's, you know, what everybody's striving to do these days. So, you know, you're right on right on par for the course. <laughs> a lot of people, and we kind of touched on this comment on, you know, how full the sound is with just the two of you. And I, I would certainly agree with that. And initially, um, you kept it to the two of you guys for, you know, practicality purposes. Like you said, living in a van, traveling all over and, and you know, all that. So have you ever felt hindered or like limited um, by only having the two of you? Uh, I think there's definitely that comes and goes. The, the most challenging part is when there's a new song and uh, we just have to figure out how is this going to feel? How are we going to perform this with two people? And, and there are songs on the records that we have where we can't do it. We just don't aren't able to do a version of it that I feel like does a, does the song justice with a, uh, with a two piece. It's really about, sort of a, a tiered level of energy and uh i guess that's how i think about it like there's only so many things the guitar can do only so many things the two drums can do at least mm-hmm. with my two feet and then syncopation comes in with the tambourine and the shaker and then we, we reach a point where it's like we can't get more frenetic or more energetic and a lot of bands have that obviously even with four people or five people that that's a thing but I think with two people, like it's just a much smaller scope and the threshold's a little bit lower. So we, we just, when we're arranging songs, I think it's a matter of just being careful about, we're just being mindful, I guess. And when there isn't anything else that we can play to like raise the song and the energy level, that's when we just start head banging. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> start slam dancing on the stage. Like Zach's already <laughs> using all of his limbs, you know, now he just needs to head bang. <laughs> so do you guys find I mean does that play a role in the recording process as to what you choose to record and what kind of gets shelved we headbang the entire recording process <laughs> in the booth <laughs> so yeah you can hear the wind from from the hair moving like in the, in the room mic <laughs> So, so I mean, does, what was your question? <laughs> well, I, I wanted to ask if you know, no, 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 don't be sorry. If um, if that kind of plays a role in what you decide to record and what you don't, as to what translates live and what you know, what you can pull off and still make it sound, you know, comparable to the recording or or make it, you know, arrange it to where it works in a live setting with just a duo. 
No, I would say that doesn't, I, I think records are records and live performances are live performances and they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're just separate things. I, we, we've had that sort of philosophical discussion before where do we make a live record because we have people generally respond pretty well to our live show, but I, I don't know. I just, it, it hasn't really felt right. We've thrown a few live tunes on the last album, but I think just making the best record you can make is what you need to be thinking about as opposed to, is this going to be cohesive or are we going to be able to do it later down the line? You know? Yeah, absolutely. So the latest album, Sweet Tennessee Honey, came out in uh, 2016, featured Sarah Jaros, who I adore her work on A Prairie Home Companion, but you you had a pretty large name come on board for a couple tracks, uh, Natalie Maines, who of course is one of the Dixie Chicks. Tell me how you guys kind of crossed paths with her and how this all came to fruition. Well, she was at a club in Los Angeles called Room 5, and the... Now uh, defunct Room 5. Oh, yeah, it's not around oh. anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, it was a great listening room. Um, and the talent buyer for that venue also books talent for, um, Hotel Cafe, and we were going to be playing at Hotel Cafe, and he was playing our music, um, in room five, just like, you know, the house music, they were Mm -hmm. playing us, and I guess he's playing the whole album, and, uh, Natalie was there watching a friend of hers perform, and she was shazamming the songs that were coming on and it kept showing up as Smooth Hound Smith songs. And then she just became a fan of ours and then tweeted about, tweeted at us saying that she's digging our music. And then that just kind of struck up a friendship. And we, uh, you know, we were pretty nervous and scared, like, Oh my God, because she's one of my favorite singers in the entire world and always has been. So it's like, Oh my God, this is like someone I look up to since forever. And she's like tweeting about us. This cannot be real. And then by the time, I mean, I guess that was like a year or so before we were making the second album. So we reached out, um, to see if she'd be interested in singing on it. And it took her a little while to get back, but, um, she was eventually. And then that one of the first emails she sent, was just like, yeah, I'd be happy to sing on it, uh, on your record. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> oh my God. We won't. We promise. <laughs> so you guys were actually, I mean, there was kind of a, a favor returning in a way. You guys secured an opening spot for the Dixie Chicks when they kind of went back on the road. Tell me what an experience that was. I mean, were these like the biggest crowds that you've played for yet? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was insane. That was crazy. <laughs> it was. It felt like a dream. It didn't even seem like reality. We just had no idea how to visualize it. We got like kind of the itinerary and we're looking at the names of the venues that are all these like amphitheaters and arenas and then it'll break down kind of the info about it. And just, you know, what the capacity is and we're looking at 12,000, 15,000, 18,000. Wow. And we're just like, what does that even look like from the stage? You know, like, <laughs> so we didn't, until we actually got out there, I think the first one was in uh, uh, Chula Vista near San Diego. And uh, we got out on stage and we were like, oh, okay. Well, we d- and I think we just played all the songs like, a little faster. Just a little bit faster. <laughs> we, had, we, had a, we had a short set, so it wasn't a problem, but. <laughs> Speaking of crowd sizes, I read this. I don't know if it's true or not, but you guys have played a Waffle House before? Yes. 
Well, it was a waffle restaurant. A waffle restaurant, not ah. an actual waffle house. Close enough. Yeah. I'll take it. That's a dream but gig. As we've learned, dreams do come true, mm. so that could actually happen <laughs> one day. <laughs> we even got fifty percent off of a waffle when we played what? there. So they gave you half a waffle or half off your bill? They gave us half off of half of a waffle because they only oh. sold waffles in halves. Man, that's Who wild. Waffles, to, be, to be fair. <laughs> I actually played, uh, I played at a LuLaRoe party earlier this summer, which is probably one of the most obscure gigs that I've ever done. But what's the most <laughs> left field show that you guys have done aside from a waffle restaurant? Oh, man, there's so many to choose yeah. from. There's. There's the graveyard we played in. There's oh. the racist St. Patrick's Day party we found ourselves at, which is weird. <laughs> There's uh, the wood carving competition. I don't know. <laughs> There's so many. Pretty good bunch right there. <laughs> There's always those gigs, always the memorable ones. There's the uh, there's the campground with a bunch of standing water where mosquitoes are breeding, and then Caitlin gets West Nile fever. <laughs> there's, there's just uh, yeah. This is, it's like if you were like, out of all four of these, pick which one is not true. <laughs> and no, all of them are true. <laughs> this one might still be open. You might want to look into it. I, I submitted my stuff to play at a nudist festival in Kansas like two years ago. I didn't get the gig, but if you guys are looking for, you know, a foray into that that uh, type of crowd, maybe take a look <laughs> at that one. I don't know. <laughs> could be very interesting. I don't think you want. I don't think anybody would want to look at me sitting down naked. <laughs> well, that was my only question. I asked them in the email. I was like, "So do I have to be naked, or is just everybody else naked? Because, or am I naked and everybody else is clothed? <laughs> Equally as weird." Get back to you. <laughs> no, they never really answered that. So I just kind of stopped asking questions after that. Yeah, well, we went with somebody else. Um, but tell me about uh, tell me about being approached to have a song featured on Nashville, which was a huge hit. Um, that was actually really it. Kind of just happened for us. Uh, I guess one of the music supervisors uh, had been interested in us for a while and was trying to find a place for uh, one of our songs, and we just uh, I don't know if. Uh, you talk to anybody who's done this or maybe it's just our experience, but like when, when something gets put on a TV show, like I feel like they just tell you like kind of last minute. And it's just like an afterthought <laughs> to tell the artist. Sometimes they're just like, Oh, by the way, uh, next week uh, we're going to use your song. So, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was really that casual. So yeah, it was fun though. We actually threw a little party and you know, any, I love throwing parties. So any excuse to have a party and I'll take it and, so we invited our friends over. It was like a potluck. And then we previously recorded the episode so we could watch it and fast forward through the commercials. And <laughs> all of us are we're all sitting in our family room, eating our appetizers, drinking our cocktails, watching, you know, just, just watching and waiting and listening. And then it comes to like the end. I'm fast forwarding through a commercial. It's like, wow, there's only like five minutes Yeah, no, left. I think there's legitimately like three minutes left in the show. And we're thinking, did we miss it? Like, <laughs> gosh, this is so embarrassing. And so then finally, at the very last, like 30 seconds of the show, they're in a coffee shop and the two characters are talking about something that is utterly important to some drama going on. And then you hear in the background, crazy over you just like very slightly in the background we're like there it is we did it 
Good thing we threw this party for this <laughs> tiny little 30 seconds in the background, you know, crazy. It's so cool, though. <laughs> so awesome. What you didn't realize is you skipped through all the commercials. You missed your Taco Bell commercial with your song in it. Oh, <laughs> right. So do you guys have new music? You got a, a new record on the horizon, right? Uh, we do. We have we got some new songs, and we're sort of slowly uh, filtering them into the live set. And, uh, yeah, also trying to make demos and taking steps to see who we want to work with for this new record. But I, I think... Yeah, I think it's going to be I'm good. I'm excited. He's, yeah. he's writing some really... I'm not a very good songwriter. Zach writes most of the songs. He has some, some good ones cooking. I'm so excited about it. Yeah, so what are, we, what are we looking forward to on the third release? Ooh. Just like, um, maybe just a slight, a slight pivot as far as the sound goes. I think we're just... We're still kind of looking for it. I, I'll say that I think like the other two records that it's going to be really varied. It's going to be kind of a mixed bag. It's like a, almost like a, like a fire mixtape. Someone would hand you on a boardwalk. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> you know, and then, and then we'll give you the mixtape and then we'll be like, now you owe me $7 for that. Long as it's on a, on a, uh, is it Memorex? Yeah. Memorex. Yeah, it, it will be burned on a Memorex <laughs> Alright, that's fine I'm t- No, I want it on cassette, I want a Memorex cassette yeah. So I can sit back in a recliner and have my you know, Non-hair blown back Super lo-fi That's right, if folks want to learn more About Smoothhound Smith, where can they go to do that? Uh, we're all over the internet um, <laughs> we're all, Yeah, yeah. Specifically. <laughs> No, we have uh, com Is probably Where most things are uh, are condensed and you can find all our music and videos and pictures and uh we're everywhere except for snapchat we're just not cool enough for that yet really into instagram i've been getting more into twitter um just because i can troll politicians really easily so (laughs) that makes it fun it's becoming a great platform for that 140 characters to just ruin somebody's day but it like really ups your creativity like what how many how many hearts can i destroy with these 140 characters that sounds like an ariana grande song (laughs) you gotta write that write that and pitch it to somebody (laughs) all right zach and caitlin thank you so much for your time today this was an absolute blast and uh keep doing what you're doing looking forward to the new record it's it's uh what you guys are doing right now is so refreshing and fun and uh certainly appreciate your time best of luck to both of you and uh we'll be looking forward to the new music Thank you so much for having us on. Thank you. We had a blast. The Bo Cephas Broadcast. Now I'm This is Dr. Richard Foliage inviting you to check out The Rock Show, a brand new podcast dedicated to the study of rocks. This monthly program takes you for a wild ride through the realm of rocks. The debut episode of The Rock Show takes us to Starved Rock State Park near Oglesby, Illinois for a fascinating geode hunt. You don't want to miss all the action-packed excitement. Check out The Rock Show, America's newest and soon-to-be most trusted podcast resource for all things that rock. Rock. 
We now return to the Bo Cephas broadcast. That is going to do it for episode 34 of the Bo Cephas broadcast. Again, thank you so much to Zach and Caitlin of Smoothhound Smith for spending some time with me this week. They are officially two of my new favorite people, and uh, I tweeted about this after I got off the phone with them last week that they are officially invited to a barbecue, weather permitting, on the uh, on the deck. So if they're ever in the neck of the woods of West Central Illinois, they can, uh, they're more than, more than welcome to crash at our place. They can couch surf here. We'll uh, cook them some mediocre hamburgers and stuff like that. And we'll just enjoy each other's company. Cracking jokes about, you know what? We'll take them to Taco Bell if dinner doesn't pan out. This is a plan that's just really coming together off the top of my head. Either way, you've all got some great new music to check out and get you through the weekend. As always, if you've got a moment and you're so inclined, you like what you hear today, or you like what you've heard previously, or you want some more, please take a few seconds to leave some feedback on the show wherever you're listening, whether it's iTunes, Spreaker, YouTube, anywhere you get your podcasts, or this one in particular. Because your reviews help the show reach new audiences. And uh, in this popularity contest that we call life in the social media age, it makes all the difference. Show your support by following along on Facebook as well at facebook.com slash broadcast. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram too, at BoBCraft. And of course, if you've got questions, comments, concerns, hate mail, anything of that nature, by all means, send an email to BoCephasBroadcast at gmail.com and I will be sure to send you, in return, risque photographs of one Joy Behar. And also another big thanks going out to our sponsor this week, Smirks.net. That's Smirks.net, S-M-Y-R-X.net. Your home for the freshest, dopest threads on the internet, t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and more for men and women, including great shirts like What Would Ron Jeremy Do? Keeping Up With The Carpathians, and many, many more. You can visit them right now at Smirks.net. That's S-M-Y-R-X.net. Browse your stuff, fill up your cart, and get 15% off your order at checkout by using the code PCEU. And don't forget to check out all the great programming available as part of the Poop Culture Extended Universe by checking out poopculture.com. Otherwise, I think that's it, kids. That puts the old kibosh on episode 34. Tune in next week to see what kind of shenanigans we can conjure up as we make our journey into episode 35 of the Bo Cephas broadcast. We'll catch you then. You've been listening to the Bo Cephas broadcast. What you just heard was a podcast in the Poop Culture Extended Universe. For more great podcasts, make your way to www.poopculture.com.